0: Welcome to the Life in the Red podcast presented by the Lincoln Journal Star, your source for Husker news, analysis, and more. From football in the fall to recruiting in the summer, we've got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Bassinet, Parker Gabriel, and Stephen M. Sipple.
1: Three, two, one. Welcome in Life in the Red podcast. I'm Chris, there's Parker, there's Steve. It's 3 16 p.m. Here Wednesday, April 6th, 2022. We got a new sponsor for the podcast right. this week. How about that? We're brought to you by Ernie's and Suresco, your family-owned total home furnishing store since 1946. Come on out to Suresco, experience their wide selection of the best brands in furniture, mattresses, flooring, appliances, electronics, and Connecticut water systems. All at Ernie's and Suresco, a proud supporter of Husker Athletics. So there you go. We're talking Husker Athletics today. We're talking spring game. It's the spring game preview Spring game is Saturday, 1 p.m. kickoff at Memorial Stadium. We're going to touch on a little bit of everything. We'll talk uh, crowd size. We'll talk recruiting. We'll talk personnel. We'll talk what we want to see, what we think we'll see. So let's get right into it. We don't, obviously right now, nobody knows the format, what the teams are going to be split up like. What's what the scoring going to look like? We don't know any of that stuff. So I'll, I'll ask kind of a simple question to start. What are you guys expecting to see on Saturday at the Red White Springs?
2: Parker, go ahead.
1: Go ahead. Lead us off there.
2: Lead off. Yeah, it's kind of funny.
0: It's kind of funny. We were talking to uh, Mickey Joseph after practice earlier today on Wednesday, and because there wasn't any decision made uh, on Monday, someone asked Mickey what his understanding of the format was, and he was like, "Oh." I'm not really sure if Frost will tell you guys that. It's like, well, actually, he didn't. Um, They didn't know earlier this week. So, uh, I mean, I think generally speaking, what I'm expecting is for it to look a lot like a practice. Now, it's obviously probably going to be lighter on the individual stuff and all of that because they're in the stadium on the field and there's going to be, you know, 50,000 people there or whatever. But I don't – it's not – probably at least for us on Monday didn't make it sound like it was likely to be a, a true red versus white ones and twos versus threes and fours or anything like that. It's probably going to be a little bit more segmented than that, you know, just offense against defense. Um, and that, you know, so within that, I think you're just probably looking at a lot of reps, you know, some of it will be ones versus ones. I don't know how much live tackling there'll be, Um you'd like to say as an observer that it'd be fun to see some among the top groups. We didn't get that last year. Remember last year, the starters were, it was just uh, two hand touch, basically. Thud. Yeah. Thud for the first half and then, and then the young guys got after it in the second half. But the whole reason that we're talking about the structure, part of the reason we're talking about the structure is because of the number of guys uh, that are limited or out. And so that would sort of probably go against the tolerance of, having a really rugged physical, you know, tackle to the ground type of afternoon. So uh, I think as a starting point, structurally, that's about as much as we know. Um, I think it's going to be competitive, you know, listening to Mickey Joseph and Travis Fisher talk today. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, But I don't know that it'll be particularly arduous. And I think there'll probably be quite a few guys that don't participate. I mean, there's just no reason if you're hurt in any capacity at this point, uh, there's not a lot of reason in risking further injury. Um, is, for this on Saturday.
2: Is there a concern either? You can answer this. There's a few fans have asked me this. I don't know how to answer it. Is that a concern that there's so many guys out? Is it a strength and conditioning concern? I, I don't think it's, a, I don't think it's
0: that necessarily. I mean, someone asked me this on the text line, the Husker extra.com subscriber text line, which you should consider subscribing to because we go on there a couple times a week and answer questions to subscribers. Um, and, and one of the things I brought up was if you go through the list of the guys that aren't going to participate, a couple of them uh, or a few of them maybe have been hurt in spring, but a lot of it is stuff that was sort of like in the plan, right? Like Travis Vokalek had shoulder surgery after the season to address something that he played through during the season, Mm -hmm. you know, Casey Rogers, um, injured his knee, and It cost him five games and then he aggravated that injury and he had surgery after the season. Javen Wright has been dealing with blood clots for several months. Gabe Irvin is a big chunk of the way through recovering and Teddy Berhaska as well through knee injuries that they suffered during the season. Like these aren't it's not right. like they showed up and in the first two weeks of spring ball, 25 guys went down with injuries. Luke Reimer, same thing. Garrett Snodgrass, same thing. You know, a lot of it is just. Like, is it ideal? No, you, you want as many guys getting as much work as possible in the spring, but so many or a bunch of the guys that aren't available on Saturday are dealing with things that didn't just crop up over the last four weeks of spring ball. And I think that's worth saying, you know, like Thomas Fedoni got hurt right before spring break. Sounds like maybe Ethan Piper got hurt during spring ball, but, that happens. But I don't think that's the vast majority of the guys that have missed a big chunk of of. of
2: there's, stuff. there, yeah, there's um, there are a lot of guys to watch, and I guess the one that you have to identify right off is Casey Thompson, yeah, um, because he's the likely starter. Come forward. not from an injury standpoint, right? Just like in terms of what, no, we're just starting. just you know, guys who are available. When you think about the guys who are, there's a lot of interest. Now, there's a lot of intrigue. Associate with a lot of players but he's the he's probably the guy that's going to have the keys to the car uh come autumn so everybody's intrigued by that maybe some would be less intrigued because they can say well i can watch youtube video of him playing oklahoma but i mean there's something to be said for him being i'm at memorial stadium right now in the press box being down on that field um as a Nebraska Cornhusker, and just see what that see what that picture looks like in a new offense. So that's and I don't know. I think people will will see his charisma. Um, you you want to you want to see how well he manages the game. What his you know his what his command looks like. And let's face it, what what he looks like throwing a ball downfield. I mean, downfield yeah, throw.
0: It's going to be uh, pretty breezy on Saturday. Be Mm-hmm. you know, be kind of fun to see him, you know, try to navigate that. Cause that's obviously, you know, odds are, uh, I mean, you just got to deal with that uh, in, in Lincoln and in the big 10. You got to so deal with
2: that in the big 10 in November too. So that's probably good. And he's got a strong arm. He, I, I don't think that'll be an issue.
1: Bass. Bass. What do you, you look What do I want to see? Yeah. yeah uh, a couple of things. A couple things, and one, I, I want to see these new receivers uh, talking about offense. You know, I want to <coughs> see, I want to see Trey Palmer. I want to see oh, yeah. what that what that picture looks like. I think a lot of us want to see what that looks like. I want to see what uh, our guy Omar Manning looks like. Whether they you know, they've worked him in the slot, moved him back outside again uh, here recently, what kind of step does he take? And I think that's a really intriguing group to watch because like you say it's a new quarterback. Well whoever's behind center it's going to be a new quarterback um come fall. So what kind of help is he going to have on the outside? And so I I mean you could go any number of ways offensively but but for me if I have to pick one I'm picking those receivers just because I think that's a fascinating group and we're not even going to see the the whole lot of them probably on Saturday. There'll be there'll be more of them come the fall.
2: Yeah Trey Palmer Parker I, I mean they've identified him as a, I mean, I don't know how to put this without uh, – I mean, we're going to have a news story about Trey Palmer and, and, the, and what they're doing with him, his image in yeah. the NIL world. Clearly, the program is leaning on it. I mean, they're, they're, they're using his name, image, and likeness prominently, and, which, come on, I mean, indicates to me that they intend to throw the ball to him. Yeah, because you just don't don't create that scenario. Right. If you don't if you don't think that's going to happen.
0: No. And I mean, if you look at the receivers on their roster, I mean, he's got as much of a track record as as anybody. Right. I mean, you know, Omar Manning made a really nice step like career wise last year. Right. From having appeared only in one game in 2020 to being regularly available and he caught 20. 20 passes 25 25 Yeah,
2: 25 catches or 26 catches.
0: Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, and and Trey Palmer uh, had 30 last year at LSU and and has been a multi-year contributor there, kick returner, punt returner, that stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I think he's like I wrote this today. We talked to Trey on on Monday, and we talked to Mickey Joseph today, and so, you know, story tomorrow in the Journal Star about about Trey Palmer and and it's funny because he, he talked on Monday about he likes to dance and have fun on the field and all that, and he talks trash to the DBs and all that. Off the field, he's kind of a quiet kid. Um, you know, Mickey Joseph today called him a homebody, but he's got his own sort of leadership style, um, and I think if you were drawing up a list, and we know Mark Whipple likes to force feed the ball to playmakers, and I think if you were drawing the candidate list of who that is on Nebraska's offense this fall, right now, I, I don't not an expert, but I'd start that list with Trey Palmer right now. Like if you were going to guess who is the go-to guy on offense uh, for Nebraska in 22, I think he's the best bet. Um, and, and that, you know, that, so yeah, there's going to be a lot of eyes on him, uh, you know, this weekend. I
2: wonder, I wonder if the next guy on that list or if you're thinking about that list, I wonder if it's a running back and I wonder if it's, yeah, you know, Jacques yeah. Or Anthony Grant. It, it it felt like that – again, we don't see these practices, so it will be beautiful on Saturday for us because we'll get to actually see a lot of this. But you've heard Sean Becton say – Sean Becton the tight ends coach. Him say uh, they move the ball consistently on the ground all spring. I want to look at – I want to watch that. And, and yeah. you know, the guys that are moving it mainly are Anthony Grant, Jacques Kassian, and I'd say Ramirez. Um you mentioned Gabe Irvin. He'll join that. He'll join that group when he when he's healthy. Um, so I kind of want to see. Is that the next guy? Are those the next guys that they're going to feed a lot?
0: You know, yeah, it could be. It could be those. It could be either of those or any of those three guys. Um, it could be Omar Manning or Oliver Martin. Um, yes, it, yes. Could it could be Travis Vokalek when he's done. Yeah. Whipple's offenses have had some really good and really productive tight ends um, you know, over the years, both at Pitt and at UMass. Um, I, I yeah, but I, all of that being said, I mean, I think you can, I think you could see Anthony Grant. I think you'd see Yant, those other receivers, but just to me, like thinking about any of those guys being in the go-to
2: role, um, compared to Trey Palmer, like I just, I sort of lean toward Palmer. Um, uh-huh. It, it won't be Fidone Thomas fidoni And that is, I mean, you know what? It's sort of interesting to think. What if he never had suffered an injury here? Now he's got. He suffered two. Would he be on that list of guys? That's Thomas Fedoni. For, probably he uh, would be. Yeah, and now Fedoni, we know he's injured. We as we saw him on a crutches. Um, I saw him on crutches last week. Um, left knee. I, I mean, it looks like a it looks like a long term injury. I mean we we've, we've heard it's probably a long term image injury although we've not heard that officially from Scott Frost. Yeah, it was it, it was it was
0: I mean it was last April a year ago around now actually late late I guess it was later in April and it was it was the left knee that he injured the first time around. So any sort of I don't want to call it a, a aggravation or a re-injury because we don't know exactly what it is but a second injury to the same knee is you know that's I don't, I'm sure that adds layers
1: of complexity to the conversation. Yeah. Okay. Should, should we talk about what we want to see on defense? We hit the offensive side yes. pretty hard. But
2: unless there's some, uh, some other clean – I mean, a couple clean-up things, Baz, on offense. Trent Hickson looks like he's atop the depth chart at center, which is one of the key critical positions that, that you, you'll look at on this team going forward. That could change if they if they decide in the fall – that Turner Corcoran they want to give a try at center. I don't know. We don't know that. But Corcoran hasn't practiced this spring. So Hickson, I, would, I imagine when we watch the ones come out, Hickson will be their starting center. Yeah, yeah I think that's, you're
0: right. If you're talking about things you're interested in seeing, I just think, like, I want to see – and I, that Frost has, has said pretty flatly that they've, they've moved uh, offensive linemen around a lot um, this spring – um, but I, I just want to see, like, what's it look like at the start? You know, who's uh, – are uh, Hunter Anthony and Kevin Williams playing next to each other? Is Henry Latovsky in there? Um, you know, who's, who's playing the, at the tackle spots? What different combinations do they try? I mean, that's the kind of stuff that, like, for me, I, I find that stuff really interesting. And, and even if you don't – there's enough in flux that I don't think you'll look at the starting five and go, oh, that's definitely who's going to be playing against Illinois – Um, But I just find it interesting if they roll Kevin Williams through three different positions or if uh, Brock Bando plays on both sides
2: of the line of scrimmage or whatever, that's a, that's a picture that's always worth tracking reps. Yeah. And are they really, are they really coming off the ball and moving the line of scrimmage? Like we've heard this spring. I mean, we can, now we can judge it for ourselves. We, We don't have to rely on information from other people. I want to see that. I want to see if that's really the case. It sounds like it is, um, but that, but I'm I'll literally just see if the watch to see if the line of scrimmage is moving because I've watched a lot of football in Nebraska in recent years where the line of scrimmage was either a stalemate or moving the wrong way. I'm just saying.
1: I'm Just saying. Saying is <laughs> all. I'm just saying. Just saying. Aser. Yeah, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just yeah. I'm just saying we talk a little defense. How about that? What do you want to see on defense, Baz? I want We're to intrigued. see an attacking downhill style on defense. I want to see him get after the quarterback. I want to see him stop the run. No, I. <laughs> I it's tough to tell because like you say, defensive line—they've got like what six guys, seven guys. Yeah, seven on the defensive line right now. So mm-hmm. you, you, it's it's tough to say. Well, yeah, I want to see what that looks like because that's not what it's going to look like uh, come August. So. You know, give me the secondary. I suppose Travis Fisher was pretty bullish on it today. Sip, you were over there talking to him. And, and I, I thought it was interesting. You know, we've heard a, a couple people kind of, I don't want to say poo-poo the spring game, but kind of throw some cold water on it. Mark Whipple kind of has done that a little bit, and a, and a couple others have kind of done that. And Travis Fisher hasn't. Um, You know, it's and, and like you were saying earlier, before we came on, it's, it's a big evaluation for him he's got some guys there and, and some new guys there that can come in and complete compete right away. So, so look, I went with the receivers on offense. I'll go with the guys that are going to be guarding the receivers on defense. I want to see what the, what the secondary looks like. Yeah. I mean, Travis or Tommy Hill,
2: excuse me, Tommy Hill is okay. I mean, he's been identified as uh, well, I mean, he's, he's basically been identified as one of their top five uh, defensive backs. He's the transfer from ASU. When you know, you're basically slotting him at the corner starting corner spot opposite Quentin Newsom, So Tommy Hill, I would think fans would be very interested to watch Tommy Hill ASU transfer. Probably, you know, he's probably the lead dog right now in the race to re, to uh, replace Cam Taylor Britt. And I think he might be pretty good. I mean, I, you know, I did talk to Fisher about him a little bit today and there's, well, Fisher says there's no doubt he has NFL level talent. It's just getting it out of him and him, yeah. him, him doing everything he needs to get to Quentin Newsom's level. Who, who, who? Fisher says he's getting ready to be a pro right now. Quentin Newsom, the other corner. So those guys are really interesting to watch. Parker, who are you interested in the back end?
0: Yeah, I, th- I mean the middle of the field to me. Just like I, and Sipple, I know Sipple's on this on this uh, train too, but I think. They they lost a lot on defense last year, right? And, and there's a lot of talk about Cam Taylor-Britt and, and JoJo Doman. I really think that it's a big task to replace Deontay Williams and Mark Helvis-Muke. Uh, they, they're not only from a talent standpoint. I mean, they're talented guys. They're not the most talented safeties that have ever played at Nebraska or anything like that. But they just – when you listen to what their coaches said about them, you know, Eric Schneider saying – he basically didn't have to coach him um, because they had such yeah. a, such a complete understanding of what was happening in front of them. Mm-hmm. And that I think one of the things that one of the best things you can say about Nebraska's past defense the last couple of years is that you could count on one hand, the number of times a guy was running open down the field. I mean, they yeah. really did a nice job of not busting of playing fundamentally sound and scheme sound and all of that. And I, I don't know this beyond a shadow of a doubt, but my sense in just talking to a lot of people is that um, those two guys were a big reason for that. And so that's uh you're not just replacing four interceptions from Deontay Williams or, you know, whatever, a big hit from Mark Heldis muke I mean, you're replacing the leadership and the, and the the system understanding that those guys had every single time they're on the field. Um, and it's not to say that they can't be, as good or better or more talented or whatever on the back end. But uh, that, you know, trying to fill in that loss, combined with the fact that I think Marquise Buford is one of the most interesting guys, young guys in the program, um, I'll, I'll have my eyes between the hash marks in the secondary quite a bit.
2: Where's Buford
0: from? Buford's from – well, he's from Texas, I think. But he yeah. played a – he. Well, he's, he grew up in Chicago, and then he and Elante Brown knew each other in Chicago. He played his first two years of high school at Bolingbroke. Uh, okay. Yeah, Bolingbroke, yeah. Yeah, and then moved to Texas and was at Trinity Soto, DeSoto, DeSoto. DeSoto, Texas. Texas, yeah. And yeah. I believe that's where his – I think that's where his, his family is now. That's where his little brother Mario uh, plays now. Uh, but then he did a year at uh, – us. St. Thomas Moore, I think, in Connecticut, the post grad year, just like Alante Brown did.
2: See, see, Marquise Marquis Buford is interesting because a lot of people that are listening have never heard of him. It, it wasn't like he did, you know, he played special teams last year. Um, but now, what what we're talking about is the like a likely starting safety. I, I mean, he's kind of I don't I wouldn't say he's come from nowhere because again, he was he. he, he they liked him on special teams last year, but he wasn't didn't play much defense. And but they really like Buford. I mean, they he's they they feel. I mean, they let's put it this way. I think he could play corner too, but I think he's entrenched himself so much at safety as a starter. Probably it's my guess that they're just going to leave him there. And and then I would guess he's going to be alongside Miles Farmer at the safety spot. Oh, obviously this is all they got to keep working and there's guys that could pass them, etc. cetera. But right now, listen to Fisher talk all spring. Marquise Buford's a guy to watch. I mean, he's, he's a very, he's a very intriguing player to me.
1: Yep. All there right. you go. There all you right. go.
2: <laughs> well, I, yeah, now as far as the defensive line goes, uh, it was interesting today, Ty Robinson, I asked Ty Robinson about Sean Becton's comments that, that I said, you know, Sean Becton said that they've run the ball consistently all spring. I mean, how, how, what's your take on that? And he didn't bite back. He said, well, I mean, a lot of it comes down to guys being out of position at times. Um, and we have to shore that up. So, I mean, that's, I'll I, I tell you something. And, and it's been identified. This is a novel conversation. Um. That's a, that's probably the biggest concern on this team right now. And But I'll tell you one thing Ty Robinson did say. He's not worried about the defense. He also said that, I'm not worried about the defense. But that line with only seven guys this spring, he he's taxed, he said. He feels like a 35-year-old. And he said, I only need a week probably to get recovered. But he said most of those seven guys have gotten over 400 live rep snaps. Yeah. Um, and that's game like snaps, he said this spring, and that's a that's a lot. So they got him. I don't know. And Parker, what did he say? He had a fairly illuminating comment about that situation. Yeah, he
0: said he said that part of the reason why he wasn't worried about it was because he figured that they'd add a couple guys over the summer, um, like recruits. <laughs> that's that's a new phenomenon. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, it's like well, yeah, and that's going to be that's going to be portal. We'll talk about a Sean Mathis uh, in a couple minutes, but I think the, you know, they're going to get Casey Rogers back this summer and that obviously will help. He's been out this spring uh, rehabbing from a knee injury, but
1: you know, the thing,
0: one of the, if you're looking for players to watch on Saturday, interesting guys to watch, I think obviously, if you were to say the starting DNs or outside linebackers, however you want to sort of quantify them, Right now, probably Garrett Nelson and, and Caleb Tanner, but the two guys behind them, Blaze Gunnarsson and Jamori Butler, are young guys, guys that have a lot of football in front of them, and guys that physically, I mean, Blaze Gunnarsson essentially looks like a 4-3 defensive end. You know, he looks like an Iowa defensive end, basically, 6'6", yes.
1: 270,
0: yeah. or something like that. And so those are guys that, you know, they're not going to, Blaze Gunnerson's not going to be playing three-technique defensive tackle, but if you want to talk about, building depth on the defensive front line. Obviously, Nash Huttmacher and Nasai Newsom are important in that conversation. The transfer portal is important in that conversation. But I think that when you're talking about the edge and playing on the line of scrimmage, uh, those two guys as well, Gunnarsson and Butler, those will be guys to sort of watch and, and just try to get a feel for, you know, maybe where they're at. I mean, Blaze Gunnarsson, like, played 30 snaps against Wisconsin last fall. Uh, when Tanner went down. So those, those guys are going to be counting on this this fall.
2: Yeah, and you're watching – I think people will really be interested to watch Nash Huttmacher in the middle of the defense. I mean, he's got to be counted on. And then there's, a, there's just that whole slew of young guys in the interior that people are not really familiar with. They're not yeah. – they wouldn't – they might be familiar with their names like me, but I haven't seen Ruquam Buckley and Jalen Weaver and Marquise – is it Marquise Black? Um, those, who else is in that group? Well, oh, even well, Colton Feist, you know, yeah, yeah. Colton Feist and most most Newsome. Those are all names that you read, you read, and we keep typing, but I, I don't know what they're all about. Um, I want to see, them. I want to see what that looks like.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of an underrated fascinating part of Saturday. I think is what that is. what yeah. that group Looks like, um, should we just real quickly touch on special teams? I think we all kind of think the same thing there. <coughs> yeah. As go as ahead, Bass. Well, I think, Go ahead. and it'll depend on the format too. We may not learn a whole lot, but what does Brian Buschini look like punting the ball? You know, yeah. What kind of what kind of guys are they running out there on special teams? You know, are they are they putting starters for stringers out there? Who's who's your returners? You know, what does that picture look like? So, I don't mean to, to gloss over it because it's obviously very important. It's important enough that Scott Frost hired a special teams coordinator in the offseason, Bill Bush. So. Just, just what does that look like now with with Bill Bush kind of running the show, and maybe what what does the personnel look like, and, and what kind of how do they perform under the lights uh, when that comes time? Well, here's the thing. Well, you know, the thing I would add to that, Baz,
2: is often in spring games, special teams gets glossed over. I don't think it would be a good idea. Okay, now I, I I'm I don't I don't know. I get I've gotten opinionated in my old age, and appearances are important even though that's not always a, you know, I don't abide by that myself, but the appearances <laughs> mean what I'm talking about is this, they better work. I would like to think they're going to work on it in front of the 50,000 people that are going to be here yeah. and show a, that level of commitment to it. Don't gloss over it. Um, I hope that's not the tack Frost takes. I hope the tack he takes is, yeah, we're going to work on it. We'll we'll show 20 minutes of it. If, if we're not in a live game, setting we'll start we're still going to work on it I, I think it would be a bad look if we walk out of here on this is just me but i do i believe this if we walk out of here on saturday and say oh they never i don't, they never they never worked on special teams i i don't know if that would be good right now because of the ongoing conversation about it no totally agree
1: they they've got it they've got a they've got to be serious about it. I, 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 agree with you too. I think they will be, we'll have to wait and see. Of course, again, it might come down to format and everything else, but yeah, I get that. I mean, but if it's comes down as, to format, make sure it's part of the format. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. Um, all right. Well, you mentioned it set probably about 50,000, excuse me, going to be in the stands on Saturday. That might end up being as many as any team in the country gets for their spring game. For Nebraska, that's going to be a, a low number compared to what it was. You know, for us first couple of years, it was up over 80,000. It's been up over eighty, eighty, eighty-five thousand 85,000 in several years uh, previous to the COVID pandemic. So I'll, I'll throw this one to you guys, too. What do we, what do we think about that? What do we think about 50,000 on Saturday? Which when you think about it, it's still a ridiculous number to, to come watch a practice, but it's 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 just different here, right? Like, it's just different when you, when you say there's only going to be 50,000 on Saturday.
2: It's a strange conversation. I mean, there's, okay. I'll give you a, for instance, Michigan was on their spring, Michigan spring game was on TV last weekend. They didn't, they didn't, you know, it looked like less than 5,000 people, 5,000, Michigan, Michigan coming off an appearance in the college football playoff, Michigan coming off a big 10 title. I mean, and, and they had, they had Spike Lee there, and they had Colin Kaepernick throwing passes, and there was nobody in the stance so it is it's a very strange conversation, and then here there's some level of debate about man it's fifty thousand is that a is that sort of a letdown crowd <laughs> I mean, it's odd. it's sort of odd here you know it's always it's not that i'll tell you something I'm an older guy I'm an old. I can remember when it wasn't that big a deal during the Osborne years, during the Solitz years, when there was 30,000 people here, you know, it wasn't, I guess you, I guess the spring game phenomenon, um, hit nationally, I don't know, 10 years ago. And then it really hit at Nebraska when they, it really hit at Nebraska and Bill Callahan's first year when they filled the place. Right. And then it sort of continued from that, the big crowd phenomenon for the spring games here but it was really the bill Callahan I think I think that's what started it basically here was when when they changed regimes and um filled this place for bill's first practice um so that what was that 2000 2004 so it's yeah. been it's been you know it's been a lengthy period <laughs> does that all make yeah. sense to you about it
1: yeah, no, it does, and you you mentioned something that I was going to mention too. Back when back when this thing was was humming and cooking, it wasn't fifty thousand, eighty thousand, or whatever. It was thirty. It was no. thirty thousand. It was twenty five thousand. It was thirty five thousand. You know, yep. and, and even and back then, again, you have to compare us. Back then, that was a crazy crowd for a spring, a spring game. You know, back then, and, mm-hmm. and now, if they put thirty thousand in the stadium on Saturday, people would be thinking the the sky was falling. It's just it's just the way. That thing has changed. So yeah, I, I guess I don't see it as a as a huge deal. At the end of the day, it's it's the screen game. And it's a practice, and there's there's plenty of stuff going on. And if they're going to put fifty thousand there for a team coming off a three and nine season, uh, that that price says more than more than you know if they put eighty
2: thousand. Parker,
0: yeah, sad. same, basically co-signed. I mean, I think it's a cool opportunity to like one of the things that's cool when you have tickets that are available is you know I know they're extending the red carpet experience. And they had a corporate partner that bought, you know, bought up three or 5,000 tickets or something like that. And so, I mean, it's kind of an opportunity to do stuff that you're not as readily able to do if Michigan's in town, you know, and that's um, in a way, like, would it be impressive if they sold it out again? Yeah, of course it would be. And it was sort of a train wreck in 2018 when tickets sold out in an hour or whatever, but they're going to have a big crowd um, based on, you know, what spring games look like everywhere else in the country. And, um, you know, a lot of people get to come watch for, you know, a few bucks or at least cheap compared to what games cost. And it's all, all good in my book. I'm, I, I wouldn't get too – Oh, God. About Think about it. Up.
2: I mean, I, sorry to interrupt. I, I'm Jack. Like, I'm strangely – I'm strangely excited for it because we haven't seen anything this
1: spring. Yeah. yeah it's fun. Like it's fun just to, to have the crowd and have the energy and, and all that sort of stuff in the spring. Yeah. And, and now I'm in the context to which I was referring is
2: for many springs, we've seen a lot of practice. So it wasn't it this, the spring game sort of lost its enormity to me this year. I haven't, we haven't seen anything because, you know, Frost made all the coaching changes and he's, playing it close to the vest that way so now we actually get a C-Trey Palmer and Tommy Hill and Anthony Grant Casey Thompson and Deshaun Singleton all these new guys that you kind of wonder about um, or not kind of wonder about that you do wonder about and what you know the new coaching staff what that how that looks to you you can size it up a little bit at least so we haven't seen it. So now now we finally do. I mean, it, it, it'll probably go really fast. Um, it'll seem like it goes really fast. So don't talk to me when we're in the
1: press box. I want to be absolutely not. Don't blink. Don't, talk don't to blink me. or you'll miss it. Don't talk I'll to me. put my headphones in the second I walk into the press box. I'm <laughs> not taking them out until I'm done. <laughs> Is that what you're doing? That's what I'm going to flick
0: paper footballs at you every time there's like a third down or something.
1: <laughs> hey Steve, That's his good. Team, that'd be good his for me. <laughs> They'll test me. I need to be tested. You need to be, no. See. You've been tested plenty in your lifetime. You don't, be, <laughs> you don't need to be tested from here on in, Sip. Let's be honest. <laughs> from here on in, all right. I like here on that. in yeah. next ten. The real question then is think, what's going to happen.
0: Just... What's going to happen if uh, if Tiger makes the cut and it's <laughs> teeing off on seven as they. As they kick on Saturday. As, as you tweeted
1: the other day, Parker, I'm going to be chain-smoking in the press box if that happens. I'm just going to have a pack of Marlboro Reds sitting right next. It's going to be like the 50s all over again. I'm just going to be smoking cigarettes in the press box. I've never smoked in my life. I'm going to have an ashtray. I'm going to get a, bring a huge glass ashtray and two packs of Marlboro Red. That has a Masters logo in the bottom of yeah. it. Yeah, just putting them out.
2: It's
0: going to be Christ, disgusting.
2: You did
1: that. God damn it. How funny would that be? Like if I just showed up
2: with cigarettes. <laughs>
1: just imagine, Jesus, that be, oh, just imagine that
0: be, Keith's reaction. Oh, my God.
1: <laughs> imagine everyone's, everyone's reaction. reaction. Is he smoking in the press box? <laughs> that's that's James smoking. <laughs> Clark,
0: that, that would, Clark's would just be distraught.
1: Yeah, there'd I be a lot of people a, distraught, I think. If I that, wouldn't be distraught. It'd be fine. I would be distraught. I'd be the one doing it. So, All Tiger's right. Tiger's gonna play though. Tiger's playing. We don't need to talk. I'll go off on a tangent. So We don't need to talk about that. Let's okay. t- let's wrap okay. this baby up. We got some. Uh, we got fifty thousand in the stands. We got a few visitors on the sideline too. Uh, big recruiting weekend. Uh, Dylan Rayola, number one recruit in the twenty twenty four class, coming to town uh, with his dad, who you guys may know, and with his uncle, who you guys may also know. Uh, another, another more immediate, um, need or focus is Oshon Mathis, the pass rusher out of TCU. Those are probably the two headliners from this thing and Parker's been on top of it from the beginning. So I'll let him kind of take over, but what are you kind of expecting this weekend from a recruiting standpoint?
0: Yeah, well, I think it's going to be a big group. Uh, don't have a firm handle on, on the number or what they're expecting just yet, but yeah, I mean, uh, at least you know twenty guys that have scholarship offers, and that's before, and it could be well more than that. And that that's sort of before the normal. You know, there's some interesting guys that don't have offers and stuff like that that'll be around. They have, we'll have um, some guys that are already in the class, like Gunnar Gatula and Sam Sledge. I think William Watson, the quarterback in the class, will be in town. They tend to, have, they usually have a bunch of the signees um, guys that are already commit, you know, signed that'll be freshmen that'll be here in May uh, come up uh, for the game. So all of that going on. But yeah, like you said, Baz, I mean, the only official visit that we know of right at the moment is a Sean Mathis, who's the transfer um, defensive lineman, pass rusher from TCU. He's got 13 sacks, I think the past two years uh, for the Horned Frogs, Nebraska is battling Texas and USC and a couple of others for his services. And so, you know, he's a guy who, I don't think he would completely solve the puzzle on the defensive line because I think you're still looking for, you know, for interior uh, help too. But man, I mean, it would make you feel better about, about the frontline picture for sure. If they were able to land him, it's not going to be easy, obviously. Um, The athletic has him rated as the top available player in the portal right now. Um, So yeah, I mean, Hot competition, but he'll be on an official visit, so he gets to campus on Friday uh, and will be on, on campus until Sunday to get a chance to put the full-court press on him, both um, the football staff and, and, you know, the team and all of that, and then also uh, just down the road on the NIL front, they can, you know, present to him what what that tends to look like if
2: you play football at Nebraska. So, yeah, oh, I mean – hey, hey, that, that presentation's been made.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think they'll probably provide a refresher. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, there's going to be 50000 a plastic eat. bag on the sideline saying this yeah. could be yours. In the same way that they won't be going around saying like, hello, I'm Scott Frost. I'm the head football coach here. Nice to meet
2: you. <laughs> um,
0: they yeah. Also, yeah, they won't guy. be making the presentation for the first time.
2: Right? Yeah. Now, when we talk about NIL presentations and people are interested in this stuff, Um, We can safely say he's he's a strong six figures is what we're talking about with with uh, with uh, O'Shawn Mathis. And that would be a strong six figures for six months of work. ideally for him. Yeah, Um, because if it works out well for O'Shawn Mathis, he plays here for a season and then is off to the NFL. I think it's so, sort. Of, I mean,
0: we'll... it's just the way of the world. Like it, it's 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 fascinating, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you saw in the athletic a few weeks ago the you know eight million dollars for a, a quarter five star quarterback in the twenty three class, which I bet you that Dylan Rayola noticed something like that. Um, yeah, but it is fascinating. <clears throat> I mean, like, look, if Sean Mathis, like, if he eventually picks Texas or something, goes there, like, you could say, hey. I mean, Nebraska made him a really strong offer. Nebraska's uh, infrastructure around the program made him a Will Wade strong-ass offer, you know. Um, and that's just sort of like that's where college football
1: recruiting is at at this point. Yep. 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 He's yeah, got a very, lot of leverage. He's got a lot of leverage. God, life he's got and, a lot of, God, he's got And a lot of, life, what is life if not leverage, Siple? Life yeah. is all about leverage. So there you go. Life is all about the spring game. On Saturday, we just covered it all for you, from top to bottom. Any other any other tidbits or nuggets you guys want to get in before we get out of here? Well, you talked oh. you talked to
0: Dom Dom Rayola. Simple. What what did he what did he say about where Dylan's recruitment is at at this point?
2: Well, it's he. I mean, he used the p word. It's a process. Um, I would say that what I hope people understand about well Dominic said now this is going to be Dylan's decision, but Dylan understands i would i hope people understand this dominic loves it here i mean he is you know not everybody has the same affinity for their alma mater dominic has a strong affinity for his alma mater and of course dylan has grown up with that and now his uncle is here and and you know they're tight it's a tight family so um that was, I, I just, he didn't necessarily talk about that, but I always, I always want to make sure I, I include that in this conversation. Dom has his name right over there, you know, under the scoreboard is one of the all Americans. And he's very proud of that I mean, That kind of stuff is means a lot to Dominic. So it means a lot to his son. I did ask Dominic, and I thought this was interesting. How does this, how do you keep this from being overwhelming? I mean, he's, they were at Ohio state was it Ohio state last week. You know, they're the, that he's the priority recruit for Georgia. You know, he's the priority quarterback for Lincoln Riley. I mean, Alabama's offered him a scholarship. Um, he's a, he's a priority for all these mega programs. Um, now, how's it, how does Dom keep it from being overwhelming? He said, we start every day with the daily devotional. And I ask him, how are your grades and are you being a good brother and a good son, are you doing the little things around here, taking out the trash, helping your mom? Because if he's doing all that, then the other stuff will be fine. Um, if we just keep it at that, then then he'll be fine. So it's interesting. I I I don't know. It's it, it'd be a. I mean, he, Dominic's son is the number one rated recruit in the country for the class of twenty twenty four. That's yeah, pretty, it, pretty wild. It seems like a big deal. Yeah, and here he is now. Yeah, he's going to be walking around that field on Saturday. And that's, you know, it's a pretty
1: big deal in itself for Nebraska that that, that kid's here, you know? Wow. I can't imagine. That's just like a totally foreign world to me. Like I can't imagine having a child that's the number one.
2: Well, and a child that could command easily 000, 000 in a million dollars in a year, and,
1: yeah.
2: you know, this time next year, his NIL package
1: could, I mean, it could exceed a million fairly easily. You know. I wonder how much that matters, though, with Dom playing in the NFL for for several years, that's and, and good I'm sure it question. means a lot. You know, and, and, yeah. and maybe it means a lot, maybe it doesn't. But I wonder if that changes at all, just with the fact that Dom had such a long. I've
2: taught. I asked Dom about it, and, I, and I, you know, I did not include it in the story. Dom characterizes, yeah, we know that's kind of now part of the world, and that's going to happen. But that the way he characterizes it is that it, that'll take care of itself. I mean, yeah. we're not that's not a big concern of
0: ours. That's what I, that's what I was going to say is he's going to be extremely marketable and extremely um you know he's going to have really the NIL stuff is going to happen for him regardless of where he goes. Now, it's not to say it like won't be a factor, but it probably becomes less of a factor especially as more and more schools get operational <laughs> and are up to speed and given the amount of money and resources that most of around most of the places that he's going to consider going. I mean, you know, yeah, it might, it might be a, there might be differences in the totals that you're talking about from school to school, but it's going to be substantial and part of the equation wherever he ends up going.
1: Yeah, for sure. Interesting times we live in. All right, guys, appreciate everyone tuning in Uh, again, life in the red product. Podcast. Brought to you yes. by Ernie's and Ceresco, your family-owned right. total home furnishing store since 1946. Come experience Ernie's wide selection of the best brands of furniture, mattresses, flooring, appliances, electronics, and Connecticut water systems. It's all at Ernie's and Ceresco, a proud supporter of Husker Athletics. We thank you guys for tuning in. We'll have wall-to-wall coverage from the spring game on Saturday. Make sure you're checking out journalstar.com, uscorextra.com, and until next week, we'll talk to you soon.